the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within community. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. Howdy. All right. See you next time. (laughs) On today's episode, we're going to be talking about nutrition myths and debunking some of those. So this will be fun, Joe. Debunking. Debunking. I always like that phrase. It is a fun word. I used to love that show, Mythbusters. Oh, yeah. That's a great show. I I bet they're still making it somewhere. Yeah. Some version of it. Yeah, I know one of the uh, people on the show that would run some of the experiments, I think, ended up dying. But From an experiment? No, no, maybe it was a car accident, like a high-speed car. Oh. Like, maybe, I think so. I don't remember. I mean, but, show-related or... But it's a fantastic show. Yeah. It's to watch the crap out of that. Uh, it's, uh, there were a couple of things in there that I didn't believe. Like, one, you get less wet if you don't run in the rain. Oh, is Irregardless it... of distance. Is that true? Yeah. If wow. you walk, you get less wet. No kidding. Yeah, it has something to do with because when you're running, you're going faster and the raindrops are hitting the front of you as well, making you more wet. Okay, that makes sense. Huh, never thought about that. Well, we're going to do something similar to Mythbusters here. I'm going to ask you a question, Joe, and I want you to tell me true or false. Okay. All right. You ready for the first one? Yes. Eggs are bad for you and raise cholesterol. This is one that I never know. Uh, <laughs> Either just Time Magazine. Because <laughs> it always seems like it's changing. Eggs are bad. Eggs are good. Yeah, so I you, like eggs, so I'm going to go with they're great for me. <laughs> so you can actually Google the cover of Time Magazine in 1984, the cholesterol issue, and it is uh, two sunny side eggs up and a frowny face made by a piece of bacon. Now, that was 1984. In 1999, it's the same cover, but it looks to be uh, like an avocado or melon slice that's a smiley face, so they've changed their mind. I, I don't know. I was trying to think of in what world Time Magazine was so out of stories that they did a whole cover on eggs. I was on cholesterol in general. <laughs> Let's talk about this. So half the cholesterol in eggs is monounsaturated fat. This is the same kind of positive anti-inflammatory that's found in olive oil. So that's actually a good kind of cholesterol our body needs. And, and I'll just spoil it. I don't know. We'll get through all the points here. They also contain proteins that block most of the dietary cholesterol from the egg from entering the bloodstream. So this is another case of blueberries are blue. So eating them are going to turn me blue, but that's not how it works. So yes, the egg itself has a ton of cholesterol, but because of the protein structures in the egg, you're not going to absorb all of that cholesterol into your bloodstream unless you have a really rare genetic disease, which you would know by now. So moving on, the, so they also improve cholesterol and have many important nutrients such as choline. Choline is important for various reasons. Choline's a vital nutrient. It helps the liver and brain function correctly and can actually help with your risk of fatty liver's disease, which we know is super on the rise, non-alcoholic fatty liver's disease, because of our constant intake of corn syrup, corn syrup solids, high fructose corn syrup, wheat grains, and corns. So it's going to help with that. And choline deficiency during pregnancies can actually cause birth defects. So it's super important, especially for pregnant people, to get enough choline in. And eggs are a great source of that. So if you're only eating egg whites, you're missing out on all that. Yeah, I thought I remembered from, I got into and read that book, the Eat This, Not That, and it had a section in there about what's the healthiest thing to eat 
if you're on the run and you have to eat at a fast food place and McDonald's healthiest thing to eat was the sausage, um, no, not sausage, the ham, the egg McMuffin. That's it. <laughs> the egg McMuffin. And they said that it was the most, had the most nutritional value because of the egg. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so don't be afraid to eat eggs. I think they're they're one of the better things out there. Now, if you're choosing the perfect egg, I, ideally it would be both organic and pasture-raised, but you are going to pay a price tag for that. It costs more money to raise chickens that way. Maybe six ninety nine a dozen is probably about the going rate if you look for both organic and pasture-raised. Now, the organic part means that anything they're eating, whether it's the grass that they're raised on or whatever, it's going to be free of Roundup, glyphosate, those types of things. I mean, the pasture-raised part means they actually get to go around forage for bugs and eat that kind of stuff like a real chicken would do, not in a farming setting. So, true or false, are eggs bad for you? The answer is a resounding no. Eggs are not bad for you. I think they're an awesome part of the diet, and we should definitely include them. False. All right, let's go on to the next one. So the next a true or false question are foods with a high glycemic index should be avoided. What do you think, Joe? I think, first of all, you might have to explain to me what a glycemic index is. So the glycemic index measures how rapidly a carbohydrate source raises blood sugar. So, so how rapid of a blood sugar spike do you get after eating it? Okay. So if your blood sugar spikes, then that food is bad for you. That's, well, that's it would be, question. maybe it would be higher on the glycemic index. Is that good or bad for you? I'm gonna, probably bad. Could be. I know with type two diabetes and insulin resistance and things like that, we typically don't like large spikes and crashes, but I'm actually going to push back on this one because glycemic index is not the full picture. For example, ice cream has a lower glycemic index than carrots. I'm going to say that again. Ice cream has a lower glycemic index than carrots. Now, carrots are ranked 92 and, and ice cream is listed as 37. So they're saying that if we just look at glycemic index, they're saying that ice cream is three times better for your health than carrots, which of course is absurd because if you look at the sugar and carbohydrates and overall effect on health, that's completely backwards. So instead of glycemic index, what I would suggest people look at is glycemic load. So glycemic load is also going to factor in things like serving size and the effect on blood sugar over time, not just the instantaneous spike because you can eat a bathtub of carrots before you equal the equivalent of a serving of ice cream in terms of sugar and carbohydrates. Plus, carrots have a ton of fiber too, which is going to negate some of the carbohydrate as well. So don't be afraid to eat carrots. They're not bad for you. That's nonsense. Let's do kind of a harder one looking at glycemic index. Which do you think is higher on the glycemic index and which do you think is a higher glycemic load between bananas and watermelon. Let's start with glycemic index. Which one do you think is a higher glycemic index? Bananas or watermelon? You get the energy faster is what you're saying. Or you get the spike faster. The blood sugar spike faster. I'm going to go with watermelon. Yeah, that's correct. Glycemic index for watermelon is 80 and banana is 52. Now let's look at carbohydrates. So the uh, serving size amount of carbohydrates you're putting into your system. What do you think is higher between the banana and the watermelon? Probably the banana because the watermelon is like mostly water. Yeah, that's right. Uh, banana has around 24 grams of carbs, depending on the size. And the watermelon only has 13 grams. So the glycemic load is a better picture of which one of these is better for you from a blood sugar standpoint. So believe it or not, watermelon 
is actually lower. It has a glycemic load of 10.4 and the banana has a glycemic load of 12.5, almost 20% higher. So how do you use those metrics to determine which food is better? So if you look at glycemic load, if you're concerned about sugar and carbohydrates, you want the one with the lower glycemic load. So in this case, the watermelon actually factored in, but there's more to the story than that, Joe, because we also want to think about specific nutrients, electrolytes, fiber, and none of the, those things are reflected even in the glycemic load. I guess to round this up, I wouldn't pick a food based on health just looking at the glycemic index or even the glycemic load. There's a lot more to factor in, but the glycemic index by itself is a poor indicator of what's a healthy food or not, as we demonstrated with that carrot to ice cream comparison. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Next one is juicing is healthy for you. Juicing. Now, when you say juicing, like, <laughs> are you talking about making a smoothie? Because, like, when I make a smoothie, I just throw all the veggies in there and all the fruits in there. Is that is juicing different? Is juicing like where you just squeeze out the juice? Typically, juicing is going to have some kind of filter that keeps all the pulp and fiber out, and you just get the juice component. I think just the juice is bad. Yeah. No. Yeah, one of my concerns with that is some of the most beneficial parts of the fruit, vegetable, whatever, are the non digestible fibers that are present in the pulp. And so if you're intentionally straining that out and getting rid of it, those are the things that create food for probiotics in your gut. So that could be a, a huge waste of the most beneficial part. And also when you are just eating the fruit, the whole fruit, and you're not juicing, it's self-regulating because of the size, the fiber. And when you take all that out, it's a lot easier to consume a whole bunch more sugar. For example, let's say you're drinking a glass of orange juice. You could have anywhere from four to eight oranges worth of juice, which is fructose, which leads to non-alcoholic fatty livers disease in large amounts. But you would never sit down and eat eight oranges in one sitting. You're still going to get vitamins and nutrients and other things from the juice without the fiber and the pulp. But you get so much benefit from those components. And especially if it's fruit, you're getting just tons of fructose and fruit juice not surrounded by fiber. So if you think about biting in an orange, all those little orange cells, that's fiber. And that helps pass some of the fructose and sugar without absorbing it into the bloodstream. So like what I do, I got a Vitamix. I'll take the peel off the orange and just gun that thing in there. Yeah. Then just that turns it into juice, basically. That, that's better than getting rid of the pulp and fiber. You still may run into the issue is you could probably throw eight oranges in there and suck it down. No problem. So you still want to be mindful of that. So if juicing is used correctly, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't make sense to me to get rid of that pulp, get rid of that fiber. Um, and we just want to be careful about overconsumption of fructose that way. Now, for example, there's a brand called Naked Juice, and some of them have 64 grams or more of sugar. And if you divide that by four, that's the equivalent of 16 teaspoons of sugar, which is uh, close to a Mountain Dew, Joe. Yeah, that's a lot of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So, when so juicing, is it a good idea? <laughs> the views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. <clears throat> Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? 
you wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook, read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. Now, we've talked about this a lot on the show, so to our listeners, this isn't a surprise, but let's do it. Joe, are whole grains healthy for you? False. <laughs> you only know because you're the co-host. But So whole grains can actually spike uh, spike blood sugar more than table sugar. They're the ones that are listed on packages are rarely in their whole kernel form. They're usually ground to a powder. And what this does is it makes a protein inside of them called the lectin more accessible to the rest of the bloodstream and the cells. And what that lectin protein does is it helps store sugars and fats in the body and in the liver. Uh, so an excessive amount of, of grains for some people, even whole grains might not be a good idea, but if it's in its whole kernel, whole seed form, and especially if it's sprouted grains, that's going to be a better option. And pressure cooking that grain is going to break down that lectin protein and make it a little better. And everybody has a different sensitivity. So I'm not saying never have grains ever. That's absurd. But I think stocking up, you know, think about that old food pyramid with 11 servings of whole grains on the right. bottom. That's not good for you. Wake up and eat a loaf of bread. <laughs> And go to school. But because of the endocrine, endocrine disruptors from those lectin proteins and the damage it can do to the, to the gut, causing leaky gut, I, I think it's not one of the best things for you. It can also hamper brain function if, if you're going out of your way to include tons and tons of these. Now, again, different people will have different tolerances to them, but I try and limit grains. Balls. <laughs> All right. We just did an episode on this not too long ago. This one is the secret to fat loss is exercising more and eating less. What do you think, Joe? I know the answer because I've been doing the show with you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> let's run through the, the things and let's let, let the audience guess. All right. True fat loss happens from fixing hormones. And exercising more and eating less may not specifically fix whatever's off in somebody's hormones. So for instance, if you suffer from adrenal fatigue, if you go do a bunch of high intensity cardio workouts, you could actually be contributing to that slowing down your thyroid, making metabolism slower. Another example could be if you have insulin resistance, exercising more and eating less without focusing on blood sugar control may not help at all. It could actually make things worse, maybe, depending on how you're exercising. So we should be more focused on the quality and sourcing of food and the impact on hormonal health first. And then once hormonal dysfunction is corrected, the body can respond better to exercise and calorie management as a means of losing weight. So the suggestion is a lot of people start a diet and they're like, great, let's start counting calories, download that app, start counting them up. And, and then but do that's a bunch not, of cardio. Yeah, and that's not the right place to start. Probably not. Now, I do think you should get moving and you should do some exercise, do some strength training, but... You know, probably doing a massive calorie deficit without thinking about any other part of your diet, and what's going on with your blood work and hormones. If you're not considering that, then that can be a huge mess. A lot of people, if they don't consider those things, they may see initial weight loss, but it could be burning lean muscle tissue, which is actually slowing down their metabolism further. And it's going to make that weight come on a lot quicker once they stop their new regimen. I mean, that's why it's also important to find a sustainable regimen as well. 
Yeah, the challenge that you run into when you start starving yourself or restricting your diet is you're not going to do that forever. And then all that weight and stuff is going to come back, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm not against upping your effort level for a period of time um, until you get to a place uh, that's more sustainable. And that's okay. So I'm not saying this has to be an absolute crawl, but we do want to consider what's going on with hormonal health and things like that before you jump into a program and just count calories. Yeah, consider the way you want to spend your time. Do you want to spend half the year regulating your food intake or do you just want to learn how to eat right for your body? Right. If only there was a program that can help people <laughs> figure this out, Joe. Yeah. Today's shameless plug, the health transformation course on firewithnnf.com. Soon to be an app. All right, and the next one, true or false, milk, it does a body good. Every ad I grew up on said that it does. Yep, and all the star athletes had their milk mustaches. Yes, Michael Jordan's the one I remember. Yep, Olympians, okay. So there's actually very little consistent evidence to support that milk consumption reduces fractures or strengthens bones. In fact, on the contrary, when they look at large populations, those with lower milk consumption tend to have less instances of fractures. And physical activity and weight-bearing exercise is actually entirely more effective at strengthening bones than drinking milk. So that's some of the concerns. Uh, and then A1 protein or A1 casein is a protein in American dairy that causes issues for a lot of people. It's a mutation that happened in, in American dairy cows. Now it can lead to respiratory issues, increased risk of diabetes, autoimmune problems, altered behavior, cognitive dysfunctions, increase in ADHD symptoms, and on and on. Now that's not to say every, any dairy products instantly going to cause those issues, but if you're susceptible to those, if you have asthma, if you've been diagnosed with ADHD or you have kids that have, or if you have blood sugar concerns, either in your history or currently, or weight loss concerns, it's a good idea to minimize your intake of E1 casein. Yeah, or if you're just a parent and your kids love milk, maybe you shouldn't give them a gallon a day. Yeah, I actually had a 14-year-old with type 2 diabetes and they were, he was drinking about a gallon a day because there's an enormous amount of sugar in that. And parents would think, I'm, it's milk. Good yeah. for you, Jimmy. Yeah, muscles, strong bones. So there is something called A2 milk and it still comes from a cow. It's just cows bred in New Zealand and that don't have that A1 mutation. So if you must have cow's milk, that's a better option. But even better yet, I would go to dairy alternatives such as almond milk, coconut milk, and cashew milk. True or false? Females who do strength training are going to get big and bulky. I'm going to say, I'm going to say false. I just don't see a lot of big and bulky females. And you go to the gym and that they're all working out and they don't look like Arnold up in there. Yeah, that's false. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes from Sean Stevenson, it's uh, lifting weight does not make you big and bulky. Chocolate croissants make you big and bulky. So you would have to like really be killing it, doing two days, cramming down creatine, maybe testosterone and all kinds of other stuff to get big and bulky by accident doing a moderate strength training program. Yeah, I just, I love the, the mentality behind that. And I think it's just our human nature as people, we're like, oh, I, I shouldn't do that. We're, we're really saying, I don't want to do something I really shouldn't do, which is go work out hard. It'll make me big and bulky. And we've all worked out before and we never just like 10 minutes later, are like just huge. Like, <laughs> it's just not the way it works. To get big and bulky, do you think, is that a genetic thing that a lot of females, let's say you do have the physique of a female bodybuilder. Is there just like men bodybuilders, is there maybe some human growth hormone or some kind of doping going on to get there? Because you just don't see people get really big just from working out. You know, I think some people are more genetically 
predisposed to putting on muscle faster. But again, it's not you do some supersets and boom, you look like Arnold. You know, so I think the premise behind the myth is though, like you should be weight training as a female consistently, like for years, and you're not going to turn into Arnold, right? Not without some specific protocols, maybe volume training, doing split routines so that you can work out six days a week and then pounding a bunch of supplements and crazy amounts of protein. Yeah. So most of the time it's going to tone you, make you look pretty good, make you feel better. Most of the time you're going to end up looking more like Kelly Ripa and less like rips. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the nutrition and all kinds of other factors. So you're not going to accidentally blow up. I have a lot of female clients in the past worried about big traps and things like that. Unless you're doing a bunch of plate overhead trap raises and things like that, it's probably not going to happen. Just not something you really need to be concerned about. And I True or false, Joe? The best way to improve cholesterol is by cutting out fat. According to TV, the best way to lower cholesterol is eat Cheerios. <laughs> You're right. They're heart healthy. They're heart healthy Cheerios. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Stanley from the office said so when he did that <laughs> Cheerios ad. The little bee came out. I love Stanley. Oh my goodness. Now, the best way to improve cholesterol is to improve your blood sugar, and you do not improve your blood sugar by eating tons of Cheerios, especially if they're of the honey nut variety. Eating cholesterol, just like we talked about with the egg part, does not equate to more cholesterol in the blood. Now, unless you're like pounding trans fats and things like that. So we want the healthy fats. We want to stay away from the unhealthy fats like canola oil, cottonseed oil, soybean oil, and things like that, and instead be having more of the olive oil coconut oil, avocado oil. One. So the amount of the type of oil can make a difference, but blood sugar is going to be your number one way to improve cholesterol. And that lectin protein that's heavily abundant in grains can make it harder to reach your goals. So I wouldn't say Cheerios is one of the better things to do. And let's bring this thing full circle. True or false, cage-free eggs are a better choice than conventional eggs. I'm going to be honest, like when I buy eggs from the store, I don't pay any attention to the things that surround what kind of eggs they are. So I would think, okay, so cage-free, is cage-free better than conventional? Why would they go through it if it wasn't? So I'm going to say yes, cage-free better. <laughs> so the answer here is actually maybe. So there's a loophole in legislation that if they are provided five minutes a day of grass time with a small door cut into their coop, then they're considered cage-free. But they may not spend a single moment of their life outside of that cage. So it's... Chickens are pretty dumb. They might not even see the door. <laughs> That's probably true. So cage-free doesn't mean a whole lot to me. It should be pasture-raised and organic. But that doesn't mean to feel guilty for getting conventional eggs because that conventional egg is a much better choice than a Pop-Tart. So don't beat yourself up if that's what fits your budget. But I do at least try and look for organic eggs if I can. And if you can get organic pasture-raised, that's the cream of the crop, baby. What are good brands that are organic pasture-raised? Me and my wife really like the Vital Farms. What's really cool about some of those is they have a chicken of the month. And when you open the eggs, there's actually a, a photo of one of their chickens with the name and a little backstory on it. Because like humans are like, yep. I like to know the name of my chicken before I consume its unborn young. <laughs> oh my God, that's it's so dark, Jeff. That's the cream of the crop. At least get organic. Cage-free might be better than conventional, but not likely. Probably about the same. So just do the best you can with the budget you have. So hopefully you learned something new from that. And maybe you were surprised by a few of those facts. 
How about you, Joe? I was a little surprised by some of it. I guess it all boils down to, in my mind, that, like we do some weird stuff as a country when it comes to marketing. We'll just say whatever we need to push stuff. And sometimes people are just really good at marketing and they run a really good campaign, like the milk thing. It really never was proven to have anything to do with bone health, but yet an entire generation was pretty sure. And moms were buying milk and being like, I don't want you to break bones. Drink it, Timmy. <laughs> and there was just no truth to it. Yeah. Thanks, marketing. I'm sure there's some studies that might barely conclude that there's a correlation with increase. But well, it's not just milk. It's yeah. a ton of stuff. Like doctors used to say you should smoke cigarettes. Yeah, that's right. There's smoke just... viceroys. I have some old ads from 1965 with doctors giving the recommendations. Yeah, two out of three doctors recommend. Viceroys, yeah. Yeah. There was the old ad where the Flintstones were smoking, doing an ad for a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, but that, but dude. <laughs> I guess it's just part of being a human. When you know better, you can do better. And I think we're learning. Absolutely. So if you got any value from today's show, please give us a five-star review on Apple. That's how people find us and we can get this information out to people. We love hearing from you. Uh, leave your comments. And if there's anything specific you'd like us to do a show on, I'd love to hear from you. Head to firewithinnf.com and shoot me a message. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, Go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.